um, waiting for we one more minute until they start at 8.30. So. No, I didn't see it. How'd she do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Okay, good morning, everyone. Um, all right, so we're going to start. Uh, those of you who have a, uh, a chumash in front of you, and actually you all have a chumash because you have the Yitzchayim, but uh, for those of you who aren't here or at home, don't worry about it. I'm going to read a couple of passages, um, beginning with Exodus 24, verse 1. And then God said to Moses, Come up to the Lord with Aaron, Nadav, and Avihu, and the seventy elders, and bow low from afar. Moses alone shall come near the Lord, the others shall not come near, nor shall the people come up with him. Okay, so what is the significance of this passage at this moment? It is that you'll notice that others can come near, I mean, others cannot come near, only Moses, right? It says, Moses come near, but the others shall not come near. We don't know exactly what coming near means, um, although it may just mean Moses going up the mountain, but there's clearly a proximity that Moses is allowed, that others are not allowed, okay? That's the first passage. Now let's go to Exodus 28, just a little bit later. Again, the first verse. You shall bring forward your brother Aaron with his sons from among the Israelites to serve me as priests. Aaron, Nadav and Avihu, Eleazar and Itamar, the sons of Aaron. So first we're told they're not supposed to come near, but then we are told they're going to be the priestly line. Okay? We don't know exactly what their responsibilities of being priests are. All we know so far is the distance prohibition. Now let's go to Numbers. We're going to skip over um, uh, Leviticus for a second. Uh, let's go to Numbers chapter 3. And remember, the Torah is not bound by chronology. So something that's mentioned in Numbers doesn't necessarily have to happen after something that's mentioned in Leviticus. Um, but in this case, it sort of does. Chapter 3, this is the line of Aaron and Moses at the time that Moses, that the Lord spoke with Moses on Mount Sinai. These were the names of Aaron's son, Nadab the firstborn, and Avihu, Elazar, and Itamar. Those were the names of Aaron's son, the anointed priests who were ordained for the priesthood. But Nadab and Avihu died by the will of the Lord when they offered an alien fire before the wilderness of Sinai, and they left no sons. Okay, now we're going to turn back and concentrate on the, that event itself. This is the after report of the event that they died. Now looks at Leviticus 10. Um,
where we get the actual report. Uh, because this, this week happens to be Acharemot. Uh, it's named like after the death of the sons of Aaron. But rather than look specifically at Acharemot, I want to look specifically um, at the, and then, we'll, and then later we'll look at Acharemot, specifically at the death. So chapter 10, Leviticus. Now Aaron's sons, Nadav and Avihu, who we already know now are priests, and we know we're not supposed to come near when Moses came near, each took his fire pan, which was used for the offering, put fire in it, and laid incense on it, and they offered before the Lord alien fire, with he, which he had not enjoined on them. In other words, they made some kind of offering that God did not tell them to make. And fire came forth from the Lord and consumed them, lest and thus they died at the instance of the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord meant when he said, through those near to me, I show myself holy and gain glory before all the people. And Aaron was silent. Now, what is the obvious question? What did they do? Why did God kill them? It is not at all clear from the statement itself. And as you might imagine, the rabbis also noticed that it wasn't clear and wondered what did Nadav and Abihu do. So I brought for us a midrash today, which you all have a copy of, except those of you who are online, but I'm going to read it so that it should be fairly clear even if you don't have uh, a copy of it. Okay, now there are, by the way, there are many midrashim. This is not the only one that talk about what Nadav and Abihu did, but this one is pretty comprehensive. And you'll see how the rabbis reason, how they try to figure out from the text what it means. Rav Mani of Sha'av and Rabbi Yoshua of Sichnin and Rav Yochanan in the name of Rav Levi said, okay, don't worry about any of that. That's just, we want to establish who said this first and it's the chain of tradition and they like to quote each other. The sons of Aaron died for four things in connection with each of which death is mentioned. One, because they had drunk wine. Now, why do we think that they drank wine? It doesn't say that they drank wine. In other words, they were drunk. And you can imagine you're not supposed to be drunk when you're performing the service. But look at the reasoning here. Because it says in chapter 10, verse 9, drink no wine nor strong drink that you die not, not. Um, this is talking about in service in the temple. Since it says, don't drink wine lest you die, and they died, <laughs> they must have drunk wine. Now, this may not be ironclad reasoning in normal, right? Because like, if tomorrow you keel over and I say, well, you know, if you smoke too many cigarettes, you're gonna die, that doesn't actually mean that you smoke cigarettes, right? Um, but the, remember that the assumption of the rabbis is that everything in the Torah is there for a reason. If something is unexplained, you have to look elsewhere in the Torah for the reason. Since death is mentioned in connection with the temple service and they died in the temple service, one is they were drunk, but that's not enough. We need more than one reason. Because while officiating, they lacked the prescribed number of garments. In connection with this, death is mentioned. As it says, 
They shall be upon Aaron and upon his sons that they bear no iniquity and die. It's talking about the robes of the priest. This is in Exodus uh, 28, 43, if you want to check it. What did they lack? The robe in connection with is death is mentioned, as it is says, and it shall be upon Aaron and his minister that he not die in verse 35. And here, again, you don't have to turn back if you don't want to, but if you turn to Exodus 28, you'll see in verse 35, it says, um, Thus shall you do to Aaron and his sons, just as I've commanded you. You'll ordain them through... Uh, I'm sorry, the 43. I'm supposed to be reading 43. Uh, and there I will meet the Israelites. In, oh, I'm on the wrong chapter. That's why. I'm on 29. I meant to be on 28. Um, okay. Uh, Aaron shall wear... Uh, uh, let's start with the previous. Uh, you shall make a robe of the aphod of pure blue. This starts at 31. And then it describes the aphod that you're going you're gonna to make. The opening, shall, the head shall be in the middle of it, and so on and so forth. In other words, the robe. And then after it describes the robe, it says in verse 35, Aaron shall wear it while officiating, so the sound of it is heard when he comes into the sanctuary before the Lord, and when he goes out, that he may not die. Okay? And then again in verse 43, it says, They shall be worn by Aaron and his sons when they enter the tent of meeting and approach the altar to officiate in the sanctuary, so that they do not incur punishment and die. It shall be a law for all time and for his offspring to come. So we have now two things the priests are not supposed to do lest they die, both Aaron and his offspring. One is not to dress properly, and two is to drink wine. Therefore, the assumption is they must have dressed improperly and had wine. Um, then it says, look at number three, because they entered the sanctuary without washing their hands and feet. Um, for it says, so they shall wash their hands and feet that they not die. And it also says, when they go into the tent of meeting, they shall wash with water that they die not. So here again, it's working backwards. Here's another prohibition. I haven't gotten to the really good one yet, which isn't in this midrash. I'll tell you what the good one is in a minute. Um, they're working backwards. So, so far we have, they didn't wash, they didn't dress right, and they were drunk. Lastly, because they had no children, and in connection with this, death is mentioned, is written, Nadav and Aviyu died because they had no children. Rabbi Hanin says, because they had no wives, as it is written, he shall make atonement for himself and for his house. His house signifies his wife. Remember that the priests were supposed to make atonement for the people, for their children, and so on, and therefore it was a special priestly obligation to have a family. All of this is, you can see the rabbi struggling to, to answer the question of, it's a sort of pointed question, why do people die? that don't seem to deserve to die. The usual answer is for one reason or another, that's how God decreed it. But here, it's clear that God decrees it. It says explicitly that God does it, right? And notice what Aaron's reaction is to their death. He's silent. It says explicitly, and Aaron was silent, which 
means either Aaron didn't want to recriminate God or Aaron didn't was struck dumb by grief. I mean, you can think of lots of possibilities of why Aaron didn't say anything. The one other, as I said, there's a long Midrashic tradition, a long rabbinic tradition about the different things that Nadav and Avihu did. And by the way, you don't get lots and lots of reasons why something happens unless no reason feels completely satisfactory. If you have a reason that's completely satisfactory, you don't get, go on and give other reasons too. So you can see the rabbis are troubled um, by this. Uh, but the other reason that is generally given about this is they have Nadav and Avihu in a different midrash engaging in this dialogue. And what are they saying? Gee, I wish the old guy would die already so that we can take over the priesthood. And that, no, that, that is not nice. Um, and, but, yeah, what's that? That's in, That's in a midrash. That's in a midrash. But it is, it is not nice, but it is also very true to human nature. I mean, in every organization I have ever known, in every political, when people get old enough, everybody thinks enough already not making any allusions to any political situations <laughs> anywhere that we know of, but people say enough already, get out of the way so that we, the younger people, can take over. I've, I don't think I've ever been on a board where younger people don't say, why don't we have a bigger voice on the board? All these old people keep holding on to the positions on the board, right? And and so it is true to human nature, and that's part of what the um, text is trying to do, is to illuminate why it is that, uh, what kinds of things happen that cause these sorts of events in, uh, not only in Jewish history, but in general. Now, the one other thing I want to make, which again is, is, is discussed by the Midrash, one other thing I want to make clear, which is really very interesting, I think, uh, in my own numble opinion. Um, so look at chapter 10. It says, when, when God, Leviticus chapter 10, when God kills Aaron and Nabihu, it says, Leviticus chapter 10. What's that? At the very beginning. Uh, it's right where we read before, at the beginning of the, of the chapter. Remember, it says, now Aaron's sons, Nadav and Aviyu, took a fire pan, put fire in it, laid incense on it, offered the Lord an alien fire, and the fire came forth. What does this remind you of? The, the like, just coming near something destroys you, something holy. On Sinai, yes, they couldn't come close, remember, because it was going to consume them. If you, I mean... Raiders of the Lost Ark. Remember the Ark had this holy charge that if you came too close, it would kill you. And by the way, this happens in, with Uzziah in the book of Judges where the Ark is stumbling and he touches it and he dies. And so there is also in this some kind of implication that God is so, and anything that, that is related directly to God, is so powerful that to come in proximity with it is to court death, mm -hmm. right? What does God say? No one shall see me and live. And so there is a sense in which 
Nadav and Avihu got too close. They were too curious. They wanted to know too much, and they got burned by it as well. That's the other sort of general explanation. Um, but it's a very, it's a very mysterious story, and the fact that uh, the fact that um, Aaron doesn't say anything also adds to the power and the mystery um, of the story. And then what happens is uh, Elazar and Itamar take over, Aaron's two other sons. Um, and, uh, and then, and, and Moses' instructions to them are very interesting. Do not bare your heads and do not rend your clothes, lest you die in anger, strike the whole community. But your kinsmen, all the house of Israel, shall bewail the burning that the Lord has wrought. In other words, what he's saying is, you're the two remaining priests now. You can't go into mourning. You still have to act as priests. But all the rest of Israel, I want you to know, will be in mourning for what God just did. Which is also kind of an interesting Thing. You would think if God punished these, you know, if they were really miscreants or bad people, all of Israel wouldn't bewail them, but all of Israel is just as perplexed in some ways uh, as we are. And notice what happens right afterwards in verse 8, which makes the idea that Nadav and Avihu were drinking even more plausible. And the Lord spoke to Aaron saying, drink no wine or other intoxicant, you or your sons. So if he's saying that right after Nadav and Avihu died, why would he say it now? If they've never, if nobody's ever had anything to drink, why do you all of a sudden say, don't have anything to drink, unless in fact Nadav and Avihu did? So it's a, it's a passage that does not explain itself, but there is an awful lot of commentary on it that helps us in some ways understand this very awful and perplexing um, story. So, questions, comments? Right, so that, uh, yeah, so Sophie said that she's heard of Midrash that they were too zealous and that that's why. So drawing too close sounds like a kind of zealotry, yes. And like Pinchas, who's the model of zealotry, and um, there is something that makes sense about being too zealous is dangerous. You know, when you draw too close to the fire. Um, and and it's a, in that sense, that's a very good midrash for modern America, right? Both sides should be a little less zealous um, it would be, uh, it would be a better, speaking of which, um, as long as I, as long as I have you here, uh, on Monday, I don't remember the time, but I'm going to be doing a session with Frank Luntz and several other people at the Milken conference about exactly this, the polarization of America and how we address it. And it's going to be streamed. He, they just told us this morning. So I'll post it on my, uh, Twitter and Facebook and, uh, and people can see that. Not here, at the Milken Conference, which is usually at the Beverly Hilton. I said, I just said I don't remember what time, that's okay. Um, I can actually, I 
think I can probably find out if I look at here. One sec. Uh, it is welcome to the Milken Conference. I think it's at four, but I am not positive it's at four. Um, but I think it's at four o'clock. I'm not going to. I'm not going to waste your time by uh, by going through it now. But I think it's at four o'clock. But I'll post it when I when I know what time it is. Um, and uh, and that way. Is it a one day thing? Well, the, well, the conference is for five days, but I'm only going to be there Monday because I will be out of town next week. We don't have a Torah class um, mm -hmm. next week or the week after the next two because I come back the 11th, which I think is Wednesday night. So I'm going to be at the LNET conference, uh, which is the European APAC conference oh, in Paris. Um, I didn't want to go, but they had it in Paris. <laughs> and so, oh, and so I thought, right, what am I going to do? Um, there, exactly. There you have to drink wine and make offerings. Um, so uh, in any case. Um, all right. So anything else? we can think of. I, I mean, I think that there's, there are a lot of ways to use this as a, you know, as a cautionary tale, which is actually, I think maybe the, the bottom line or the most poignant thing to remember is that they were destroyed in the process of doing something that was good. And we sometimes think that doing something that was, that is good immunizes us against any bad thing happening, but it depends how you do it and where you do it. I mean, because it's, it's not exactly clear that they were bad in doing this, but they did a good thing in a bad way. Um, so uh, it also might have something to do with um, the perils. This is a bit of a stretch, but it might also have to do with the perils of being the child who takes the job of the parent, which is always, I mean, how many kids do we know who took over from their parents' business or whatever and decided they were going to do it their own way and it turned out to be a disaster? Um, and that's basically what uh, Nadav and Avihu are doing. They're saying, like, we know how to do this fire pan stuff, and they didn't. Um, so. It's a very, uh, in, in those very few lines, it's both a shocking and I think a very uh, a poignant and powerful story. Anything else? Other questions, comments? We actually Well, the priests, anybody who was a priest who was could, a priest. who was a priest could, yeah. but the, and the priesthood started with Aaron and his kids and then it grew and grew and grew. Um, but, uh, but you do have to wonder, like, that's in some ways the most interesting part of the entire story is Aaron's silence. Mm -hmm. You know, if Aaron could speak at that moment, what, what would he have said? Mm -hmm. What would he have said? Maybe. And then he doesn't want to say, right, it's so hard to know. It is so hard. Yeah, it does seem too severe, right? Um, right. 
Yes. So, right. Um, it does happen, certainly, that sons get aggressive to fathers. That often happens. And, and, and that could be, like, hinted at in, you know. And also that, that, that parents, and this may be part of Aaron's silence, that parents feel guilty. Yes, yes. You know? It's like, if I had raised him differently, if I had done this, if I had done that, even though that may not, in fact, be the case at all, um, but, none, but nonetheless, it's hard to avoid that feeling when something goes Right. Because he's the high priest. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and there is there is some very very loose connection with the Akedah, with the sacrifice of Isaac, where the, the Abraham seems, depending on how you interpret it, to favor God over Isaac. You know. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's one of the interpretations that, uh, that is certainly um, that is used. In fact, that, that was the one that I remember in rabbinical school, Simon Greenberg said. He said the whole point of this was that Judaism demands the same level of commitment, but God says explicitly, but we don't sacrifice humans here, you know, not like other All right, and with that, thank you for joining me, and I will see you in a couple of weeks. But also, I hope I'll see you on Shabbat morning. Have a great time. Thank you.